everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Dear listeners, today we are driving all the way to Ireland to talk to Carl Deleu. Carl is a researcher, book author, and is here to talk about dyslexia. Dyslexia is very common and can create difficulty with skills like reading comprehension, spelling, writing, and math. So Carl, welcome back. Thank you, Lucia, for having me back, and I look forward to our chats on dyslexia. So, Carl, it is estimated that as many as one in five kids has dyslexia, and that 80 to 9% of kids with learning disorders have it. So, can you tell our listeners what does it feel like having dyslexia? Dyslexic people, and you've mentioned statistics, it's very difficult to know. You mentioned like 20%, some say 10 some say 15%, but it's certainly a big percentage of society. And then dyslexic people are in the autism spectrum. So we're very low down in the autism spectrum. The higher you go up in the autism spectrum, the more your genius increase. So autistic people are geniuses. But the more, if you believe in yin and yang, as I do, for scientists know for every negative, there's a positive, that the more your genius goes up, so autistic people, the more you've got a negative on the other side. So dyslexic people, what we discussed today, is low in autism spectrum, just we born differently. Okay. And Carl, you say that dyslexia is not to suffer from. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. So the question you've asked there is the big question, which I'll spend quite a bit of time on. The first thing I want to say is that the written language was only invented about 5,000 years ago. So before that, there would have been no such thing as a dyslexic person. Um, so it's actually a new phenomenon. Before that, a dyslexic person would actually, I think, would have been a huge advantage on non-dyslexic people. But it's a new phenomenon. Before, when I start here, I, I just want to read from our book, chapter nine. So I've got a book called The Dyslexia Code. And these, these are names of people that's alive today that's dyslexic. So the most famous dyslexic person alive today is Richard Branston, the virgin guy, mm. Cher, Whoopi Goldberg, Tom Cruise, Jay Leno, Andrew Warhol, Orlando Bloom, Steven Spielberg, Archie Osborne, Sylvester Stallone, Eric Brockovich, um, and many more historical figures. Now listen to this. Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, Michael Faraday, Stephen Hawkins, Steve Jobs, Robin Williams, William Hewlett, Henry Ford, Da Vinci, Newton, Walt Disney, 
Thomas Edison, Picasso, John Lennon, Winston Churchill, Alexander Bell, Jefferson, John F. Kennedy, Oliver Reed, Woodrow Wilson, George Washington, Wright Brothers, Muhammad Ali. So um, there's an amazing list of famous dyslexic people. Now, very early on in my research, so my daughter was taken out of class at the age of nine in 2009 in Ireland. And I said to my then wife, we've got to get her back in the class quickly because the other kids are going to think she's stupid. This is my view about it because I'm, I'm dyslexic as well. And um, so within three months, I had her back in the class through a method uh, called the Davis's method, which I'll discuss later on. And but in my research, because I didn't know I was going to write a book about dyslexia, I very quickly got into studies by Sally Saywich, uh, S-H-A-Y-W-I-T-Z, from Yale University, where they put dyslexic people down and non-dyslexic people down the fMRI tunnel. So, um, you know, this radio x-ray tunnel. And they see what parts of the brain a dyslexic people, person and a non-dyslexic people use. And it shows that non-dyslexic people use the left side of the brain mainly, and the dyslexic people use the right side of the brain. So in my view, dyslexic studies is at the forefront of the brain when it comes to what area of the brain. So the left side of the brain is the sequential side. And the sequential side is great for the educational system. If you want a lot of A's and exam paper, the sequential side is good. The right side of the brain that mainly dyslexic people use is the creative side, the non-linear side. And that's not good for reading and writing and spelling and to get A's at school at all. So a dyslexic person that mainly uses the right brain that's been 100% proven by Sally Sayworth at Yale University, are not good at reading, writing, and spelling. And that's the definition. If people want to know what is dyslexia, the Oxford Concise Dictionary says, if you can't read, write, or spell properly. However, Caspase Business School in the UK have shown a dyslexic person is four times more likely to be an innovator than a non-dyslexic person. And I've just given you all these names of famous people that dyslexic people. Now, this is the problem. Dyslexic, 99% of dyslexic association currently, it's my main mission to change all of this, are making dyslexic people, that's right brain minded, that just got this huge gift of Einstein gift, Henry Ford gift, you name it, making them non-sequential. Because what they do is they put dyslexic people on traditional products, just hammering in more reading and writing into a dyslexic person's brain. Dyslexic person's already tired child at school. Now, after hours, they have to do more reading and writing. And then a year later, Sally Sayworth put this dyslexic person down an fMRI tunnel and whoopah, the brain is so plastic, dyslexic person is now using the left side of the brain. So it removes the gifts. So the dyslexic people, so what's been happening in the last, say, 10, 20 years since they've been diagnosing dyslexic people 
they diagnose dyslexic people, kids, and they're removing their gift by making them left side brained like themselves. It's not badly intentioned by dyslexic associations because they want to. Dyslexic associations are 99% non dyslexics and they want to make dyslexics like themselves to have a lot of A's at school and be able to read, write, and spell properly. And it's possible to do that, but it removes the gift of dyslexia. We need more Einsteins in this world. So it's a travesty of what's happening. So currently, just to finish on the question, everything is how many A's can you get at school? It, and that's okay for non-dyslexic people, sequential. But dyslexic people, it should be measured about how creative they are, how much they can think like Einstein. And you know, Einstein was terrible at school. All these dyslexic people, they were terrible at school. But yet what they achieved. So we were removing all these Einsteins. That's, well, I didn't know that all those people were dyslexic, Carl. How would you advise people to stop concentrating on fixing dyslexia? They need to stop using traditional products. In my book, I list some of them. Um, and unfortunately, stop listening to dyslexic associations and use a program. And I've got no shares in this program called the Davis's Method. So it's dyslexia.com, Davis's Method. And Ron Davis is dyslexic and he's in his 80s, I think, and um, he's also autistic. And he discovered that there's 250 trigger words in the English language or any language. Well, yeah, we're talking about the English language now. That's got no shape. So the word horse has got a shape, but the word the or up or in between has got no shape. And you realize that that 250 trigger words confuses dyslexic people. So when you go to a Davis facilitator, they let you build clay shapes. So say my daughter, when she started the word up, she drew, she out of clay, she made up, like UP, out of clay. And then she put an arrow above it that goes up into the air. And then you take a photo of that and she puts it in the almanac. Now that was 2009. Now I suppose you should put it on a computer or another phone, but the photo. But um, she did about 30 of those trigger words and it had an amazing effect on her. So the other thing that Davis Method does, it's something called mind's eye, or they also call it orientation. They use a method to orientate dyslexic people. And I won't go into that now because of time, but when I visited Sister Antoinette in Dublin, she was a Davis facilitator, and one hour every Saturday for three months. And about the fourth Saturday, after she taught my daughter this mind's eye method, she said, Carl, watch this. And she got me next to my daughter. Um, and my daughter would read from a book for her age group at that stage, she was age nine. And then when she got to a word she didn't know, she says, okay, my daughter, close your eyes and do the mind's eye trick. And then afterwards, my daughter would know that, that word. 
totally amazing. And then through doing this over and over, my daughter's reading became better and better. More and more words she would know. So a linkage of these clay shapes plus plus using this mind eye to orientate. It's a lot about dyslexic person being disorientated has a huge impact. Now, a lot of Davis method take people, they all people that need to earn a living because they do it for a living. Um, they take people for a week and then you pay 2000 euro dollars or euro, whatever it is for a week. And that's actually not expensive, but then people complain. So, well, they're just making money out of it, but they, you know, it's just a catch 22. They need to earn a living, but the best way to do it is, and you can now do it via Zoom because of COVID uh, and stuff like that, is to find yourself a Davis facilitator, any in the world, you can Zoom, to just do one hour a week. Less is more. And it's much cheaper then because if they charge, say, $30 or whatever, I don't know what they rate per hour, and you do it once a week. And then after three months, my daughter was back in the class so that the other kids won't think she's stupid. So that the Davis's and and just I'm interested for any listeners, we are having a um, event. I came up with the name International Celebration of Dyslexia on the 30th of October this year, 2021. It's a Zoom event, and if you it's a one day event on a Saturday. If you want to apply free tickets, go to icd.world. So icd standing for International Celebration of Dyslexia, icd.world. Yeah, just that, I see you world. Carl, what were the key challenges you faced when writing the book Dyslexia Code? There was no challenges at all. It, the book came by as an accident because I found a day's method to help my daughter. And Ron Davis uh, wrote a fantastic book called The Gift of Dyslexia. And that was amazing to read. And then... I discovered which what makes my book, The Dyslexia Code, unique is that studies say were studies because I've then realized that they were removing the right brain gift of the dyslexic person and making dyslexic people left brain minded. And then I had two small events in Dublin. I advertised in the local newspaper and sort of before Google ads were really there and stuff like that. And two small events. And then people asked me for notes after the event. It was free events, but I didn't charge people. And people asked me for notes. And those notes I produced for people, because I had the email addresses, was the start of my book, The Dyslexia Code. So I had no challenge. You know, I'm, I was never diagnosed, but I could never read, write, or spell properly. And I, we weren't diagnosed. You know, I grew up in the 60s, 70s in South Africa, Pretoria, South Africa, and we were never diagnosed. So there was no challenge in writing the book. It was just research. I love research. And then um, I didn't even have to write it up. I gave my research notes with all the spelling mistakes. Well, spelling mistakes I can now correct on spelling, but all the grammar mistakes. And I gave it to author. Uh, just so interesting, uh, I did an online course through Hay House on book writing and discovered that certainly uh, factual books um, 90% of people who write factual books don't, are not even authors. They don't even write it up. <laughs> they do the same thing. So if there's any person listening, or whether it's dyslexic or not, 
don't worry. Uh, uh, fiction is obviously different, but if you write a factual book, it's all about the research. Don't worry about how to get it perfected to, for others to read because you can get what they call book doctors. And this is what they do for a living. They don't want to be credited. And 90% of fact, people in white factual book get book doctors. Mm -hmm. Very good. And uh, Carl, kids with dyslexia, particularly those who have yet to be diagnosed, often suffer from low self-esteem. Yeah, because they worry that there is something wrong with them and are often accused of not trying hard enough to learn to read. Could you talk about the improvements needed in education to assist those with dyslexia? Okay, just before that, you, you mentioned something that's important there. So the confidence level is so important. Sister Antoinette, the day was facilitated, the first thing she did, she took a questionnaire of my daughter and her confidence level was way down. This happy child of us, her confidence was completely down. And we soon got it up within three months. And uh, the other thing they did is uh, let a dyslexic person spend time with animals, dogs, cats, because it calms them, I suppose it orientates them as well. But one of the most important things to what I did for my dyslexia daughter is to say to her dyslexia is a gift. And she even did a, a placard for me that dyslexia is a gift. So if you've got a dyslexic child or dyslexic, put something up, any affirmation that you like, like dyslexia is a gift. You can make up your own words because your subconscious mind cannot reject any instruction you give it. So if in the mornings you get up and you put your leg down and you say, oh, today's going to be a bad day, life will become bad because you give your subconscious mind these instructions. But if a dyslexic person say, understand that they've got a gift, a right brain gift, and they put a message up on their, on their wall saying dyslexia is a gift or something like that, their confidence will go way up. And, and affirmations is not only for dyslexic people. When I started out, I had 50 affirmations a day. And if I didn't have the 50 affirmations a day, because of fear of what society would think of you, I would never have been able to write, to research and write my three books. Well, I didn't write them, but the research knows. So that's on that. On the schooling, you before you interviewed me on health, kids don't need to be in hospitals. It's 100% of food we eat, meat, dairy, and eggs, and pesticides. And we need to go on a vegan diet, vegan and fish, and 70% organic. Now, in the future, don't know how many years, when that happens, we, governments will save small fortunes because you won't need big hospitals. You'll only need small hospitals for accidents because they won't, you, there's no need for disease. You know, people will listen to them and go, wow. Believe me, I've written a book, The House Spring Code, and Lucia has interviewed me on that. Now, once that is taken place, governments will have a lot more money that they don't have to spend on hospitals and all these kind of things on drugs. Then kids, school sizes, class sizes should be, in my view, about four or five per class per teacher. And there will be more money. Governments will have more money 
to spend on education. And then non-dyslexic kids and dyslexic kids can be together in a class because it's good to mingle. And the teacher can give proper attention to the dyslexic kids and non-dyslexic kids both and let them each shine in whatever field they want to excel in. This was a very good explanation and advice. I started the Sigan diet just after I spoke with you last time, and I will keep like eating only vegetables and fish. And Carl, what do you hope your readers take away from the dyslexia code? Just before I answer that, on the vegan diet, vegan and fish, please also go at least 70% organic. That's very important because normal foods we eat, okay, seafoods that come from the sea or rivers, not farm, but see, is organic, so that's good. But the veg, vegan uh, fruit and vegetable, if it's not organic, it's got pesticides in it. And because you can't see it, but that gets trapped in your cells. So any listener, that's very, very important. Uh, what's the main thing to take out of um, for my book? That a dyslexic person used mainly the right side and a non-dyslexic left side. So dyslexic people, if a dyslexic person can understand that they have a gift, and the gift is that they use the right side brain and that they need to retain it through a method such as, I mentioned other methods, in my book, other complementary methods in my book that you can do. The top one for me is the Davison method that you can retain, a dyslexic person retain. Because a, a parent, the first thing they want to do, they think this dyslexic child is stupid and they want to get them to have A's. And what our whole discussion is for parents to say, don't take away the right brain gift of a dyslexic child. They born, the creator made them like an Einstein. Give them something they truly want to do and you'll see how they'll excel. But don't measure them by A's. Exactly. And most people with dyslexia are at least average or above average intelligence. Carl, where can we find you and this excellent book, The Dyslexia Code? The Dyslexia Code? why subtitle why right brain children should be left alone and um, currently i'll never sell it for more than two dollar 99 um, but currently i'm selling it for 99 cents us cents and um, so yeah on icd.world your participation is priceless thank you lucia for allowing me on your rv journey If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.